Welcome to today's episode of CLCI Live, brought to you by the award-winning and ICF-accredited school, Certified Life Coach Institute. Sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Hello, welcome everybody to CLCI Live. Brooke has disappeared. For some I reason. know, I see that. Where'd she go? Gone now. There somewhere. She went back to New Zealand. <laughs> Yes, we have come back from our hiatus, and we are back with CLCI Live. Um, be sure to comment and talk to us via Facebook, YouTube, wherever else we are streaming this. I don't remember all the places, but we will monitor the comments. We will answer your questions, address your concerns. For today's topic, what are we talking about? Control. control, control your freak. freak what is the control. what is the actual title of this, Jerome? What did we title this live? Are you a control freak? Oh no, there it is. <laughs> yep. Are you a control freak? That's the question. I liked a lot of the um, stuff everyone put up. I don't know if everyone or if it was just you, Brooke. Um, I don't know if anyone else put anything up there, but all of the different tidbits, I liked it. I liked what it had to say. So, so I think before we begin, I know we typically like, like dissect what control means and all of this stuff, but let's first assess who here are control freaks, <laughs> shall we? Yes. Shall we assess the control freak level of everybody in here? Um, yeah. Out of rehab, control rehab. <laughs> Thank you, rehab. Yes, me and Lisa are in rehab. Explain. <laughs> Tell me more. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Should we take the test? There's a, I mean, there's a quick, quick. Yeah. No, that's what I'm going to do really quick. Okay. Cool. What are you going to do? I'm just okay. going to give you guys a test. Uh oh. Um, but in the meantime, if you could fill the space with something interesting, that'd be awesome. <laughs> is it a verbal test or is it a test you're sending to us? Like, no, I'm going to just take ask out loud, and you guys are going to raise your hand when it, if it's yes. Okay. And put your hand down if it's no. Oh, okay. got it. I can tell you an experience where I was being a control freak. <laughs> um, I don't know. It came up to me just a few moments ago. I was with a friend, and they were going to a retreat. And the person running, you know, accepting everybody, all the participants in was like, could she go any more slow and be so disorganized? So what did I do? I went in and helped her. <laughs> I gave everybody their papers. I gave them their pens. I mean, streamline this. <laughs> that's just being helpful. That's not. Oh, know. that was being in control because the line was moving too slow. <laughs> Okay, so are you guys ready for some questions? Some, some yes. Questions? And and uh, if you all could keep track, I'd like for you to raise your hand when when you uh, if it's a yes, only for the yes. Raise hand if it's a yes. Okay. Do you help other people when they're driving? Tell them where to park. Sort of backseat. Or do you ever backseat drive? Yes. Um, periodically. Mm -hmm. This is a funny question because the answer is no for me because I always choose to drive. I'm not in that situation because I'm a control freak and I need to drive the car. So then we'll just count that as a yes. Okay, we'll count, or, or do you always insist on being the driver? Then that's a definite yes. Uh, <laughs> I have like two hands in the air. Okay, so everyone but, but Brooke, you and Jerome said yes? Uh, I'm, I'm fine with not. I can just go with the flow in that space. For the most okay. part. Uh, unless I feel like I'm going to die, in which case I will say something, but I'm easily distracted, so it's better. I'm probably not behind the wheel. I'm <laughs> totally fine for like a, a responsibility. Yeah. I'm, say, pal? It's a responsibility. If you're going to be in the backseat or in the co pilot, you have to. No, tell them to. no it's, it's not. That makes, I know that, that makes people more anxious than, than anything. It makes things worse. And I'm always down for a super random road trip. So if we make a wrong turn. That's well, it is, it's also, I think, a matter of two. Like, I like how we're controlling about this question. Like, this is, this is the evidence <laughs> right here. Okay. So here's yeah. the next one. Do you always insist on being correct or right? We got one on that one. Okay. okay. Out loud or in my head? Um, out loud or in my head? 
I mean, I don't, I, I, I think that it's out loud. <laughs> Do you devote a lot of attention and energy to keeping your personal environment organized? Um, do you give people constructive criticism, use words like should, ought? <laughs> That's what I mean, we've been trained. <laughs> I like Kyle's honesty. <laughs> um, we've been trained it out of you. Um, do you find it yeah. hard to admit your mistakes? I don't make mistakes. But. <laughs> <laughs> Then, yeah. you, have, <laughs> you have a lot of personal routines or rules or rituals that you do have to do every day. I'm a yes on this one. This one's a yes yeah. for me. It's what keeps me sane. Um, I keep going out of focus, which is annoying. Hold on one second. I'm being a control freak about my autofocus right now. So I can yeah. actually be in focus. Okay, so it. next one is, um, are you the one who takes over and orders other people around when people seem confused? Yes. <laughs> I can't do that. I have to raise my hand on that one. Maybe two hands. <laughs> do you dislike depending on others or accepting help from them or allowing them to do things for you? Anthony <laughs> is like 500 high fives right there. Uh, um, do you over plan simple activities? Oh, uh, yeah. Birthday. Like birthdays. You should have seen what I had planned for Cambria's birthday last year. I was like, this, I got this, I got this. And we did one thing. <laughs> Do you have the philosophy that rules are fun? No. Do you fight over the TV remote or are you somebody who always has to hold the TV remote? <laughs> I'm, I'm in control of the remote. <laughs> and do you think other people, or do you think you do things better than other people? Yes. Mm, well, it depends on the thing. Yeah. yeah. True. Yeah. There are some things I think I do better. Others, I, yeah. I, I definitely don't. So how don't. many of those did we get yeses on from you? I have no idea. So I tallied it. Uh -huh. um, I tallied it too. <laughs> 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 Who tallied better? I did for sure. <laughs> you can't see it. It's on here. I asked 10 questions, right? Did I ask 10 questions? Yeah. Oh, you tell it everyone. Yeah, yeah, Jen's yeah. got everyone. So better. I was definitely a guest to a few of those, even though I wasn't participating. Uh, but if you had five or more, you could constitute yourself as a control freak. You might need to seek some help for your controlling oh my God. tendencies. <laughs> you Tell may me more be about control. So, who's in control freak category? Who of us are control freaks? Kyle and Anthony. Kyle and Anthony are our control freaks. Okay. Okay. Lisa and I just missed the cut. That just shows that we're in rehab. <laughs> <laughs> true story true story <laughs> um, Rome is chill like so go with the flow like water like it's amazing how many did you tally for me was it two one it was two it's definitely two. okay still though that's pretty, that. that's pretty darn good i think i got like four or so on that one probably more i mean i can be i know i can be very controlling but i also have for a long time let go of that like practice letting go um it depends on how much emotion is involved for me yeah like, I, was just gonna say that. I am about it the probably the more controlling i will be the less emotionally invested i am i'm like what else man yeah. who cares <laughs> it happens it happens um I, I think i can be the other way sometimes i think the less emotionally invested the more controlling I can be. Cause like, I was not emotionally invested in this. I did it, but yeah, the opposite. And the more invested, I tend to wait and see, I think. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, opposite. I think I'll have to think about it. Maybe I'm just controlling on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've given some examples now. What is what are we talking about when we say controlling? What does that what does that mean now? 
talk about that. To me, hmm. I know this is probably not everyone's definition of controlling, um, especially when we're talking about being a control freak, but it feels like responsibility sometimes. Um, that's what control means to a certain degree is that you have a certain responsibility for the outcomes um, that happen for whatever action or endeavor you go into. I, I had I had a stronger word. I used dictating an outcome, trying to dictate the flow of where the outcome happens. Mm -hmm. Yes, I would agree. I used to call it trying to strangle life into place. <laughs> like, just try, like, we've got a death grip on it, and I'm gonna go this way. <laughs> but I learned uh, somewhere along the line that, that that doesn't tend to work very well because it strangles the life out of things. <laughs> um, so, um, I uh, that's when I reformed my ways in many ways. Um, I do have a weird way where I can be so controlling but it tends to be like i sit back at first and i see what's gonna happen and then i let that come out like slowly. well that's what i was talking about when i that's exactly what i was talking about let's see how it comes out and i don't know if that's like more deceptive though <laughs> <laughs> ah no yes i'll wait to show you how to control freak i can be <laughs> i can control my control freak get you invested in this process and then i'm gonna come out and be a freak no 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 <laughs> um so let's talk about how it can be let's talk about how it can be good or maybe why we do this well one of the thing i think that people uh, you know maybe i can do <laughs> because it helps me um think about the possibilities of things i have to prepare for yeah, I would say it reduces the amount of unpredictable outcomes, maybe some unfavorable, unpredictable outcomes. So tell me about unpredictability. Hmm. What, why, why, why are we reducing unpredictability? I would imagine it has to do with different fears we have. If we are able to adapt to that unpredictable space then what happens to us do we get angry do we get frustrated do we get hurt do we feel deceived do we feel you know we've got a lot of potential um, avenues that feel like it impacts us so i think we're trying to be le the less amount of impact when we try and control an outcome or we is it is it less amount or is it just that we want specific outcomes possibly too yeah, i think either way yeah yeah um why else do we control so we can create that an outcome what what do you kyle and anthony you two are our biggest control freaks so speak up tell us <laughs> tell us about your life philosophy please oh my life <laughs> oh i was gonna say for other people it's fear um fear of a loss of control so not really that they want to control everything because they know that they can do it best it's just like having a loss of control is like so horrifying of an idea that you just have to control it um so unexpected things don't happen i know she said for other people yeah for other people <laughs> okay 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 yeah. i know i can do it better but i mean probably one of the other reasons like I think we mentioned about airplanes. Like, I would like to fly the airplane, not because I'm afraid, but because I know I can fly it better than the pilots. That's not fear. That's just me knowing my capabilities. Huh. And have you ever flown a plane before? No. Uh. Yeah. I would say that we should take a flight simulating class. I think that Jen should, and anybody who's yeah. here, take a flight simulating, like learn to be a pilot, see what it's like. It might actually like help inform you and so there's less fear in that space um possibly <laughs> or they'll go they were supposed to lift the right blood or that's why i don't do that 
I think that's why I recently, as of like this past year, do not like flying because I don't have control over the vehicle that is screaming through the air at 500 miles an hour. It makes me very uncomfortable just to sit there and not do anything. Mm-hmm. Whereas driving a car, you know, I'm totally fine with that because I can control the vehicle and I can stop the vehicle whenever I would like to. Did I totally drive you crazy and when we went to Texas? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was fine. Um, just my preference is always to drive, but like if other yeah. people do that, it doesn't kill me. <laughs> Listen to the words. <laughs> Kyle? You know, on the driving aspect, I have a fear of everybody else because I don't think they're in control driving. I can, I trust my driving. I do not trust others driving because I'm not in control of what they're doing. So I feel like people, I'm scared of the road because of the out of control that I have. But on the subject of control, I feel as if things don't get done if somebody isn't in control. I don't necessarily have the worry of I can control somebody else and do better, but if nobody takes control, that's when I have to take control. Because I just want to, or just know that somebody, you know, designate it to somebody so things are under control or else nothing. Okay. So you, you made it, you said a, a word there I want to highlight. You trust yourself, right, more than you would trust other drivers. How important do we think trust is to a person who likes control? Uh, oh, how about I ask it a different way? What, mm-hmm. what type of a relationship do we think those who are more inclined to be in control, what type of relationship do we think they have with trust? Distrusting. Definitely. To an extent. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm for some reason I'm comparing this to like control freaks to like micromanagers. I think we yeah, had a long God, time ago, maybe. Oh, that is definitely a symptom of control freakedness. Yeah. <laughs> I can trust in other people to like get a job done or do things the correct, quote unquote, correct way. Like you always have to kind of be hovering in, checking in, making sure right things there. are Right there, another right. symptom of control freakedness, the correct way. <laughs> <laughs> It's not just get it done, but it's get it done the correct way. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going, though, Anthony. Don't stop. But it's, it's a lack of trust because in normal, I guess, we're just talking about work, normal work situations, you have a goal or an outcome or a task you expect someone else to do. Maybe it doesn't really matter how it gets done as long as it is done in on time. Then, you know, you just trust the other people to get it done. Whereas the micromanager or the control freak, it needs to be there for every step and possibly, or not possibly, they most likely do that to their own detriment or to the detriment of the people around them um, with their control freakness. They waste their time and they waste other people's time trying to make sure things are done right when it would be better to just trust the other person and do your own stuff. Well, I mean, there's two prongs to that. It's about first and foremost, um, making sure you have a team you can trust in place. That's a big part of that. Like that is, because a lot of micromanagers will tell you, well, I don't have anybody that can do it or knows how, or well, then we turn to them, that micromanager and we go, okay, well, uh, whose fault is that? And how do we remedy that problem? I don't, I don't know if the micromanager is capable of trusting people like that. I think well, that's, even the first step. that's the, I mean, the first step is we, we, okay, then is this, a, this a problem? of your staff or is this you, a you problem? And if it's a you problem, then there's a whole space to work in there mm-hmm. next. Um, which I'm not disagreeing with you, um, but they are capable of that. I don't want to discount that every micromanager isn't capable. Yes, they are capable of rehab. Jen and Lisa can both tell you they are. <laughs> and myself, for that matter, myself as well, a former micromanager. Um, uh, so, so that I think I, what I meant to say is that I don't think it's necessarily a problem that they surround themselves with people they don't trust. 
Um, because when you hire people, you're trying to go through that process of surrounding your people with people you should be able to trust. You just don't for whatever internal reasons, um, not because the other people are bad. Maybe they are bad. We don't know. There's probably situations well, where that okay. is the case. I think it can be both sides, but if you don't find a way as the micromanager to stop micromanaging or at least reduce the amount of micromanaging, it doesn't empower the people that work with you. And if you're not empowering the people that work with you, what is that new term that everybody's mm -hmm. talking about? The quiet quitting or whatever? Quitting. Yeah. Quiet quitting. yeah. That, that what I'm doing right now. What is quiet quitting? Keska say. <laughs> so quiet quitting happens when you, like, let's say you're just an everyday average Joe Schmo worker. Um, you just do the absolute bare minimum of your job to just like, the way I think about it is when I worked at Amazon, we had our like quota of our number we're supposed to do. So let's say I'm supposed to like, count a thousand boxes a day well every time we would do this we would always try to uh, go over the number and yeah. average we would average more than a thousand i try to but, beat everybody else but that's how yeah I but there's probably <laughs> one guy who's just trying to just go as slow as possible so that by the end of the day he hits that one thousand and does nothing more than that um or even less than that because i'm sure if you don't hit the quota, they're not going to fire you. But well, like, yeah, just... they set a level of expectation. There's no reason to go over it. I can't disrespect. I can't. That's, I can't be like that's that what guy's quiet quitting is: is that nobody's going above and beyond their job anymore. They're just meeting the quota. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. But like it, it has to be a change though, because if you're started out as a slacker and just continued on a slacker, that's not really quiet quitting. It's like if you were excelling and doing more at one Basically, point their, their spirit has been broken like if they were like at, yes. at some point yeah. somebody broke their spirit and they're like i just do it enough to get by until i can get out of this place it's it's pretty much and then just waiting to you know get fired so you can collect unemployment wait so they don't actually quit no they're yeah. just like i'm gonna do the bare minimum until i either get fired and they i get to collect unemployment or i find somewhere better and i get hired there like there's so, but in the so meantime, checked out in the meantime f these people i am not doing more than i have to right well i'm doing all i can i work nine I to five to i'm not working at five thirty. right okay. don't ask me to do something that's not in my job description because mm -hmm. i'm not getting paid for it yeah when Which the mentality I can, I can this used to be on, like okay on some level though i can respect the don't ask me to do something more unless there's like a motivation to do more right like if i see that and that's where the quiet quitting comes in is they're like why would i when it's not going to be rewarded right. kind of thing mm -hmm. so yeah it's that glass ceiling like the moment you feel the glass ceiling i was there i went there i've been there where i was like no i'm not what do i care anymore like this is as high as i was ever going to get for me so i'm deuces right <laughs> like, so maybe that quite to bring it back to control maybe quiet quitting is an example of letting go of control to your benefit and to the someone's getting called hello <laughs> um, so i guess to bring it the coaching then how does control freakiness you know come into the coaching space control freakiness yeah control freakiness control uh they want to give advice right on all over the place we say coaches you're you're not giving advice you're not giving advice from your perspective that advice is you controlling trying to control what the client is moving towards i go no no i'm not i'm not trying to control them i'm trying to help them i'm trying to give them a different perspective but there's that advice piece when you give it from your perspective and not it, it doesn't serve any purpose. And so that's oftentimes where especially new coaches will come in or coaches who haven't been trained will come in <clears throat> and think it's all about their advice. I mean, who, who are you? And I've asked this to uh, many classes, who are you without your advice? And some people that's a very tough answer 
because they're not sure who they are without that advice. That's what everybody comes to me for. Are you sure? Could the advice giving though be a symptom of like a kind of worse thing, which is outcome dependence where the coach. Oh, you beat me to it. Gotcha. The coach is dependent on the inspiration for this. Like Jen was kind of the inspiration, not because she's a control freak, but because she had, (laughs) (laughs) because she had an aha moment where she was like, wait, that's me being invested in outcomes. Like that is me going, being a bit of a control freak because I want my client to be, why isn't this client doing what they say they're going to do, being successful, doing that. And, and it was a moment where she was like, oh, that's kind of me working harder than my client, being a little bit controlling of, of what's going on with my client and, and being working harder than they are pretty much, right? Now, yeah. being outcome dependent isn't necessarily going to mean that you're a control freak. Like I pretty much expect my clients are have some sort of dependence on their own outcomes because it's their process that they're going through doesn't mean they're going to be control freak, but when you're a coach and you're outcome dependent, then you have a goal that you're trying to work towards and you're using your client to get towards that outcome. That's where advice giving can come in as a, one symptom of that. I said, so you, but you just said something interesting to me. You said that like being outcome dependent doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a control freak. I think that in a large way it does though, because all control freaks are trying to predict what the outcome is going to be. Like they, every control freak is like, I'm being controlling because I know X could happen. This will happen. This will, and it's literally them perseverating over potential outcomes and not at all being in the moment, not at all being in the process, but instead being hyper predicting what will happen and trying to control the outcome. Isn't that kind of what we isn't that kind of what we do with our clients though? Not like us to our clients, but isn't that the process that the client goes through where here's the goal and how are we trying to get there? And they're taking control of the aspects they can control and trying to move that them towards that goal. Us the coaches, we're not necessarily dependent on the outcome, but the client is working towards that. That doesn't make them a control freak, though. I would that say the even, better, the even better coach, though, gets the client to be good with whatever the outcome is. Like, like to be present in the process and to be prepared and cool with any possible outcome. Like, whatever mm-hmm. happens, I know I'm going to be okay. Yeah. That's yeah, like... Ding, 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 where we want our client. I mean, I don't know. That's fine. I mean, that, that is, I think that is part of it, but the, we have to start with an outcome and a goal first, right? Absolutely, yes. Uh-huh. The client has to have some idea of like, what do they want the end result to look like? And then we're backtracking, trying to work towards that outcome. And if it doesn't happen, then, you know, that's fine. Then we get to see if our client is a control freak or not, how they react to that. <laughs> And then we help them with their control freakiness. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is a new word, control freakiness. Like this is like a, <laughs> something we should coin. Um, control yeah. freakiness. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I don't. If, if I, yeah, sorry. If I could ask, so are you not doing your job as a coach if you're not reaching the outcome that you've set at the very beginning? If you have an agreement with your client and you've completely stirred the right way, there's no outcome whatsoever. Have you done your job as a coach? Good question. Yeah. I think maybe, yeah, I think, yes, Lisa. And I think there's like once in a while, um, you know, that's fine. But if you're like a, I'm trying to think of like, if you're like a career coach, for example, and your marketing is that like, you will figure out, you know, what you want to do with your job, you'll get hired and consistently none of your clients ever gets hired, there's probably a big problem. But this is the thing. This is like every one of those coaches that are coaching other coaches, like that are like, hey, I'm going to all get you. You're going to be making nine figures. You're going to be doing all this stuff. They have no accountability and it drives me crazy because they're like, they they end up flipping it all back on the other people if they don't if they don't get their success. You know, there's no like, like money back guarantee from those people. That's not happening. Um, but what they do is they either do two things. They're either really good 
at um, selling how good their process is, regardless of outcomes, um, or they're they're also really good at getting the client to uh, admit that it's their fault, like their thing, like that it was my fault that it didn't happen. I uh, or I guess the third thing is that they're they're really truthfully, it's not about it becomes not about that, and it becomes everything else that they learned or picked up in the process, which I think is what happens a lot of times. It's like they get a whole bunch of ex other things that they weren't expecting and that becomes enough um is that a good business model necessarily i don't know because i've also gotten clients from the people who were pissed about not getting what they wanted so yeah, i would I, my me, advice i'm gonna interrupt i'm gonna interrupt i'm then raising my hand raising my hand hello oh i want to go back to what kyle said though because that piece of one plus two equaling three if, you know the client says i gotta reach this and this is what i gotta do it's about also allowing for the adaptability for that client to realize that that's not what they want. So to answer that question that you were posing, Kyle, yeah, it's it's about learning who they are and what they want and allowing the process to help them find that space and their ownership on how they want to proceed with that. And in the end, they might find out, okay, like example, um, somebody, in one of the classes was talking about how his parent forced him to play piano, uh, classical piano, and that is not something he was ever interested in. Not ever, <laughs> but they had goals for him. So he took on the ownership of these are the goals. This is what I have to accomplish. But given the space to come up with whatever it is that he wanted to do at the end, he, you know, he wanted to be a rock and roll piano player. I don't know what you call that, but he wanted to be something different than what he was. And so then it became, how do I move in that place? How do I not disappoint my parents, but still live? Right. So you can see how that um, changed. I think that, that checking in is a huge part of this process. Like that that moment of reminder, okay, this is where we started. We're going here. Is this where you want to go? And sort of doing that reassessment, that continuous reassessment with the client and not being so fixated on the first goal that you can't adapt to things as your client adapts um, and changes because it's one of those things is when you switch from coaching the person or coaching the problem to coaching the person a lot of times the the outcome and the goals become very different uh from where where you start um because they start to get to deeper places they come in with something very superficial and then it it takes on more and more um life as you get deeper and peel the layers back mm -hmm. um but did you not do your job if that's what you two agreed on absolutely you didn't uh if <laughs> right you know so don't promise things that you can't possibly deliver and don't have control over yeah. um mm -hmm. if i was like a weight loss coach and i said if you coach with me you're gonna lose 50 pounds i can't control or i don't even have that level of control of what the other person does um the time we're not coaching so if I don't meet that outcome, that is a failure on my part because I promise something I can't reasonably even deliver on. Now, if I just said I was a weight loss coach and my client came up with the goal to lose 50 pounds, they're taking ownership of that goal and they're having control over that. All my job is to, is to find out how they're going to get there and let them be in the driver's seat. And if they're in the driver's seat and not push, pushing on the gas pedal, then you know, I can't control that. And as a coach, you got to let go of that. Sometimes I've had times where I've met with clients, we've established what they're going to be doing in the week until we meet next time. Next time we meet, they didn't do any of that. They did other things that were um, productive, but they didn't do what we agreed to work on. And, you know, that's part of not having control as a coach. Your clients are going to do a lot of strange things or a lot of different things than what you plan to do. And it's just your job to adapt. So everybody, what is the difference between controlling, trying to help that client come to their outcome versus motivation? What's the difference between controlling and motivation? So that client who 
you follow up with that didn't do what they said they were going to do, the control freak coach is going to keep, they're going to stay stuck on that and they're going to keep trying to, you know, make that happen. Whereas the coach that's going to flow with that client is going to go deeper on what happened. Why didn't they, what got in the way, what was challenging. And then potentially that wasn't the step potentially a new step emerges from that exploration of why they didn't do what they said they were going to do. And it's with a new awareness and a new motivation because it's a deeper layer of motivation rather than just a surface layer. At least that's what I see sometimes. I guess in my specific example that I gave, it turns out that my client wasn't motivated to do what they said that they would do. They, they, intellectualized and knew this is what I should do to get X, Y, and Z. And they weren't motivated to do that at all. And when we explored that, that came to light and it figured like she didn't need to really do that at all. She wanted to do different, she wanted to, and then she did different things with her own time. So I asked her, so why are you spending time trying to do things you don't want to or need to do? And she had her little light bulb moment and we just said, okay, we're not going to do that anymore. We'll do the things you want to do instead. And, you know, she was very happy with the results that came from that um, later. And that brings up a good point and uh, not exactly control related, but um, emotional relevance, the importance of emotional relevance in what, when you're doing these goal setting is asking that question why are we doing this like why what will it do for you what does this mean to you what does why what is motivating you um this is hugely important i think a controlling coach wouldn't care and would be like right. okay this is what you're doing and this is we've set a plan and we're sticking with it and um uh and and wouldn't be willing to or want or care so much about the the why and what is motivating the client um I do want to talk about sneaky control. How can control being, how can it sneak in and be sneaky for us as coaches? Leading questions. Trying to rescue your client. You control freaks know what's up. <laughs> no, leading, question, leading questions is a huge one. Like, cause that, those happen inadvertently all the time. Uh, where, you know, we insert, Give an example of a leading question to anybody. I can I can do it if I was coaching somebody <laughs> without any not even thinking about it, I'm sure. Um, did that make you feel sad? Yeah. Were you were you upset? Um, versus how are you how are you feeling? Or or I mean there's a lot of other ways. That's a very sort of on the nose ways, but there's sneakier ways that leading questions all look sometimes like present i I've, I've caught myself doing this which is like asking questions and presenting it as a binary where one is like the more obvious reasonable mm. choice and the other is like a kind of a straw man which the reasonable obvious choice is like just my advice just dressed up as a question <laughs> with a straw man Sorry, which is really always the wrong answer um which i've stopped myself and be like okay uh, and I try to reframe the question so that there's like a multiple, multiple yeah. answers and more open-ended, but it's one easy way to do it. That's, and it is a great point. Sneakily, that's a sneaky way, like to present the, it, anything, like to present options, two of them, a little bit more black and white. And then one that's obviously not good, one that is obviously a better choice, but that what are we doing right there? We are leaving out all of the gray. Mm -hmm. for our clients that is a sneaky sneaky control moment for sure <laughs> um good example like do you do you want to apply for this job or do you want to be a failure for the rest of your life <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's your choice what what do you want to do you're the client i think though that's another <laughs> sneaky another sneaky control moment is giving praise mm -hmm. Like it's one of those, I mean, we're reward because that's what control, I mean, a big part of control is we're serving our reward 
the parts of our brains that are rewarded and, and they want to be rewarded. So we control things so that we can be rewarded. Well, if we're rewarding with, with great job or that's the stuff or you got it or you figured it, I mean, right there, we are in essence, uh, co-signing and, mm -hmm. and that is us inserting a level of control over our clients and, and what they, cause they're going to want to please. They're going to want to be, they're going to be, that's going to sell them on that even more. And, um, and if you, and if you didn't do it this time and you had done it other times, that reward is going to turn into something, you know, that people please or persons is like chasing, wanting to get. Um, so it's a sneaky way to assert control. I think one way that us as coach, a lot of us don't even realize, I mean, it's one of the, for sure, the sneakiest and not, I don't think it's intentional at all but it's a definitely something that that can just naturally happen um it's scary <laughs> what do you notice in class when you we have because we have that big discussion around uh compliments and i mean that's kind of what we're talking about in this moment a compliment what do you notice about the students in the class are we speaking about validation here? I feel like it's a shock to them because I feel like it's a shock because a lot of them want to encourage. I think I think coming into a class for your first time, not knowing too much about life coaching, you want to you want to motivate somebody, you want to validate them, and so it's like a yeah. I, I think we showed the video of the guy complimenting everybody and nice cheekbones, things like that. It's things that maybe you wouldn't necessarily say that's somewhat of a validation and a compliment, but as a coach, I think it takes a little bit for them to realize the ultimate effect that could have, like with a client then starts to chase having that they can't have. So it's almost like a, a realization of, yeah, it might be to compliment somebody because actually people are probably on the nicer aspect but it needs to be real back. Okay, I have a question. I want to compliment you. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> so can we encourage, or I'm sorry, not maybe encourage, can we ask our client how they will celebrate their small wins when we see them happen? Yeah. Absolutely. I do. Yeah. 1,000% yes. Absolutely. Okay, good. Cause I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Acknowledging their success too is okay. But like it has to, the way I think about, it, I don't know if there's a better way to do it is after the client says, whatever they did was a success or failure. Once they do that, acknowledge it and then follow up. Like, okay, like, how did you, you know, celebrate that success? How do you feel about that success or failure? Um, and then go from there. So acknowledging that they feel good about whatever happened is, you know, you're just reading the emotions. As, um, as a control freak, we tell them that that it was not good enough. Uh, they celebrate. Yeah. <laughs> not only did they not achieve enough to celebrate, but they celebrated wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or they should feel like they're successful. Mm -hmm. Right? You yeah. should feel successful. Now, here's Here's another sneaky one. Mm -hmm. What if I have a client that is in a very negative headspace? They've accomplished some things, but they are they don't believe it. They're beating themselves up. They're going, nah, this wasn't good enough. I want to do better. I can do better. I want to do more. Um, I'm I I I know I can do better. And they're in this negative space. As a coach, I think there's a lot, it could very easily, uh, being, especially being uh, us being empaths, us wanting to get that person to a place of, oh no, see your win, celebrate me, like, you know what I mean? Um, I could see a lot of coaches trying to cheer somebody up or trying to uh, get them out of that space and into a, a headspace they deem better. Mm -hmm. So I would probably point blank ask them what has them depreci depreciating their accomplishment <laughs> is that I'm wrong like, i think that's kind of i think that's a little sneaky jen because you're there's a little <laughs> there's an assumption in there that they haven't if we're talking about appreciating and depreciating that's like a value kind of based mm -hmm. 
you know, words that we're using. So, mm -hmm. so they're, they're at a certain value and your assessment is they're depreciating it. You can, uh, you can do that, Jen, but I think you would have to frame it as an observation. You would have to right. say, can I make an observation? Yeah. Because the, this now you can tell me if this is completely inappropriate, if it's wrong, if it's off base. Right. But when you're sharing that right now, the, what you're saying, it, it sounds like you are mm -hmm. completely depreciating your accomplishments. And is that like, true? Yeah. Yeah. I've had two kind of reasons. This is with the same client who's kind of in that headspace. I have two recent kind of examples that went with that. First was, um, they were talking about good enough where they were worried that like whatever they did wasn't good enough, even though they accomplished it, it's still not good enough. And my question was, okay, when is good enough or what is good enough? What will be that point where it's, you've reached it, that is good enough and you are satisfied. And they didn't know, they didn't have an answer for me and they kind of puzzled over that and that led to a different discussion. Mm -hmm. The other one was, well, I know I can do better. There was some variation of that of, I know I can do better. And my question was, how do you know that? What, what knowledge do you have that you know that you can do better and you didn't? And I, that, that time during the conversation, it was more of a challenge on my part. I have one uh, question. You're telling me these things. I don't know how you know this. Please tell me more. And the challenge came up where it's like, well, I can't, I didn't do better this time because I had X, Y, and Z things happen and the stars weren't aligned perfectly where I could be my best. And my response was, do you ever have control over those X, Y, and Z things? And the answer was no. So like the, her, the conclusion that she came with, hopefully I didn't lead her to that conclusion. I'm trying to think about that conversation more was that she did the best that she could with the situation that was given to her. And that was fine. And then we moved on with the coaching relationship or whatever the conversation was after that. Um, but I think challenging your client's assumptions rather than mm -hmm. placating them or encouraging them um, might be the wiser move in that situation for coaches. So yeah, also, challenging though, Anthony, did you stack your questions? No. I do my absolute best not to do that. I do do it on occasion, more than on occasion. I do it very frequently, but I try my because it's one of my biggest faux, like faux pas that I have to work on. So I notice when you do it too, I'm like, oh, I stack the question. <laughs> yes, I stack questions quite frequently. Um, and that's probably the control freak in me because I want to cover all the aspects of a problem so I'll just throw question after question so I can cover all my bases. And then that leaves my client just like. Well, that's the thing am I supposed to answer? Yeah. <laughs> well, and it also, sometimes it's for me, it's like they're coming like in one way after another. So like, it's like, or I say it and I don't feel like I said it in such a way that maybe they fully understand it. But mm -hmm. then I learned to just say it, let it land. However it lands, you got to let it land. <laughs> um. We have about five minutes left. So if the control freak in me will allow, be allowed to, we talk about when a coach can exert control. Also one more sneaky control thing. Can I have one more sneaky control thing? Yes, when I'll allow it. When a coach is worried about asking right or wrong questions. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's a control issue right there. Let go. There's no right or wrong. Just do be. <laughs> it's there in, and we, we have this, they're in the comparison place. Mm -hmm. Comparing oh. themselves with other, someone else that they've seen have great questions as yeah. if they wouldn't have great questions themselves. The best listener has the best questions always. Yep. So now when can coaches be a little control freaky contract contract payment rescheduling scheduling it all in general <laughs> um how and where you want to have your your uh meetings uh your website your marketing your be go forth and be a control freak what about what about in inside the coaching session mm -hmm. so all that 
let's say that's all taken care of externally when you're sitting down with your monitor and monitoring time and returning to the agreement like kyle said we've got to always sort of re circle back to whatever that initial agreement was um controlling your your personal body language mm -hmm. um maybe controlling how you're exuding your energy those are things that are important mm -hmm. yes well also when the co when the client wants something that's not coaching i have clients straight up ask me for advice and i say nope cannot do that i hear mm -hmm. Jen, you had a, your hand raised. Yeah, I, ha I have a scenario. I'm like curious what everyone's going to say. So I had uh, a client wanting to show me something after we started coaching on this particular thing. She hadn't shown anyone it. And so the control freak in me was like, absolutely not. This isn't coaching. We can't do this. But I actually overrided that and I allowed it. And I still had that judgment of like, this isn't coaching, but she had never shared this with anybody. So this was what she needed. And after she shared it with me, she had her breakthrough in like eight minutes of coaching of exactly what she needed. And had I not let that come through in the way that it did, had I tried to control it, I would have denied her of that. So I'm curious what everyone thinks about that. Yeah, it's trust building. Wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that her, is a tough to make. Um, because any other coach out there who has that situation, you're weighing the benefits of, do I build trust and let trust my client and sort of stay on track? Or do I control the coaching session a bit more so that we keep track of time and sometimes it won't work out for you and the co the client will just go their merry way on whatever tangent and it doesn't really lead to anything um other times you'll have moments like jen had where it leads to a breakthrough i like the control freak in me likes that it happened in the coaching hour and didn't happen outside of the coaching hour it wasn't something that they were like i'll send it to you and you take a look on your time and then no, no, no. like that would have bothered me more uh, about it, but in the coaching hour, I'm I'm okay, good with it. Yeah, I I think what that means also is to pay attention because sometimes your clients think they should be doing this when really, like for whatever reason, that ability for her to share that piece with you allowed her to really dive dive down into what she really wanted to work on. Now I don't know if it was different or not. But you did say it was a dive down in that sense that she got um, her aha moment afterwards. Mm -hmm. So sometimes even in the coaching sessions, we'll have chit chat, not coaching whatsoever. It just builds rapport. It builds connection. I also gather information from those chit chats because a lot of the times I can use, you know, a metaphor based on what they've shared so it can build even deeper dives so go forth and get off track now and again <laughs> yeah jerome kyle are there any other moments where it's okay to exert your control as a coach no i actually wanted to speak a little bit about um but we don't have a whole lot of time. I think I let those more controlling here in this conversation take control of the conversation. I was hoping we spoke about the benefits of being less controlling in a session. I know we spoke about kind of identifying who you are, um, but maybe that's something we can say for a different, different day. Maybe that's the last thing we share really quick. Yeah, yeah. I guess some ways um, being less controlling can benefit you in a, in a coaching conversation. It gives the client freedom and it, it allows for creativity. It allows for I've, my favorite brainstorming sessions are ones where we're like, we can do anything in the world. You name it. You want to go to the moon. If you want to fly to another galaxy, fine. In this space, yes, is the answer. And then it's let's figure out how to do that. 
let's figure out what you know all the what this is not about the the all the hows the ifs the ands the what's the wants if you want creativity then you give it freedom and so relinquishing control allows for that creative brain to run free and wild and and discover what's possible yeah relinquish of, control <laughs> off of that i think mean, slightly but also uh, with allowing yourself to kind of relinquish some of that control. It allows you to be more present um, as a coach in that scenario. Uh, it allows you to be a better listener, kind of like what Ken was mentioning earlier, uh, as opposed to you thinking about what the next move is, what the next move should be. You're there, you're present, which is, I think, half the battle when it comes to being a coach. When I, when I would design, I would deliberately not look at work uh, that has been done like the work I am doing. Like I might look at some things for inspiration, but I deliberately would not do it because I didn't want that to influence what I was going to create. Right. I wanted it to my, whatever I created to just come from this authentic place and not from this place where I'm like knocking somebody off or I'm taking something somebody did and twisting it or manipulating it. I would deliberately sort of not, uh, look at other people and what they were doing so that I could create my own thing uninfluenced and free to like, so yeah. <laughs> Quick one for me, uh, benefit of not having so much control is less stress. Um, the session is just there on its own. You get through it, you get it done and you don't have to think about it until the next session. Um, whereas with control, you're probably hemming and worrying away about how well this session's going and if this person's going to succeed or not you just let all that go you can worry about other things in your life that are in your control yeah. and that takes that works outside the session too like like just letting that session be and not being attached to outcomes and what your client's success and failures uh, letting unless go. you're doing mentor coaching and you're trying to get your acc like i am then you worry about your sessions all the time <laughs> Kyle oh, we cannot hear you you're quiet we can't hear you oh, he's no. lost control of his voice I'll kind of uh, I'll uh, also piggyback off of what Anthony said um, with that you mentioned um, did you say there was less stress right that's what you said mm -hmm. okay so yeah less stress I think also that translates to more confidence in your coaching sessions um mm -hmm. and uh mm -hmm. yeah i think you're just a, a little less afraid as to what potential outcomes can be i think those kind of all work with each other and, and presenting yourself as a confident coach in session jen i think that there's an act of surrender that happens every time i coach and it's like this full surrender to I trust this process and whatever comes from this process is 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 meant to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and that is like the exact opposite of the control freak in me. The control freak is like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, that's crazy. <laughs> but the truth is, is that when I go into the session with that level of surrender, that is when clearly the the client is i don't know i don't want to say receiving the best coaching from me that they can but they are they're receiving the best coaching from me that they can when i'm in that um, mode of surrender rather than control if i try to control the the session it won't typically play out the same way or it won't flow the same it won't have the same feeling um yeah i've i've felt the differences of the sessions with surrender and control and it's all day letting go yeah okay did everybody go brooke did you say i think you did yes i did yeah anthony did yeah. We lost Kyle, who can't unmute. And I'm yeah. We want to hear what he has to say, and he's not here. Um, <laughs> so shall we signs off then? We shall. Yep. Should. 
It's great seeing you guys again. We will be joining you guys uh, per usual next week. So don't have to worry about us not joining you guys this coming Tuesday. We'll be here for you guys. Uh, excited to have you guys all join and guess make sure, again make sure you subscribe uh, comment share like please all those good things it really helps us out a lot and um, join our classes if you haven't join our classes if you haven't absolutely it's fun all right guys all right see you later guys next tuesday same time for pacific standard all right everybody hey everyone thanks for tuning into today's episode once again, this is brought to you by Certified Life Coach Institute. We're an ICF accredited school who certifies our life coaches in three-day online intensive courses. In addition to other podcast episodes, feel free to check us out every Tuesday at 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific Standard Time on YouTube or Facebook for our CLCI Lives, where we get together and discuss various topics that are centered around sharpening your skills so you can become a better certified life coach. For more information, feel free to visit us at certifiedlifecoachinstitute.com. Until next time, be well.